Hey there, friends of Holy Shenanigans Podcast. I'm thrilled to share that I'll be recording live from the Wild Goose Festival this July 11 through 14. Wild Goose Festival is a transformational community grounded in faith-inspired social justice. It's a one-of-a-kind gathering that brings together activists, artists, and seekers from all walks of life to explore justice and art, spirituality, and community. The festival will take place at Van Hoy Farms in Union Grove, North Carolina, and I'd love for you to join me there. From engaging workshops to inspired panels and interactive experiences, Wild Goose has something for everyone. So mark your calendars and let's be part of this incredible community that is committed to making a positive impact in the world. For more information, visit www. WildGooseFestival.org. As one of my followers, use a discount code A-TLE24. That's A-TLE24. And you'll get $50 off the price of an adult weekend ticket. We will see you there at the Wild Goose Festival to connect, to build community, and to work for social justice. shenanigans. I'm your muse, Tara Lamont Eastman, a creative, a feminist, and a pastor. In this week's episode, I tell a story about Jesus on Palm Sunday, the power of outsiders, and lightning. If you're new to Holy Shenanigans, welcome to our wonderful neighborhood. In each episode, I tell a Bible story, a personal story, and share poetry or prose. All of this in hopes of trying to tie things up with a colorful, creative bow. Some of what I share reflects my vocation as a pastor and what's happening in church world. I also hope that this podcast reminds you of sitting in a cafe or coffee shop with a dear friend, drinking copious amounts of caffeinated beverages, and having a really good time. When I share poetry or prose, it might remind you of something you studied in high school or college a million years ago but I hope that the poetry speaks to your heart and where you are today. So take a moment, sit back, relax, or if you like to walk and listen, put on your shoes and let's go for a walk. There's no need to cram for a test for what we're talking about today. This is a space of learning, refueling, and perhaps a challenge for me as well as for you. Thank you for taking your precious time out and joining me for a coffee break or a walk that is sacred but never stuffy. The scripture for the coming Sunday rounds out our season of Lent and leads us into what we call Holy Week in the church. When I was a kid, this Sunday was my favorite, Palm Sunday. After weeks and weeks of solemn music, this Sunday was the opening act for Easter. Palm Sunday lined up with the return of spring warm weather no longer needing to wear those tall, hot winter boots, and a time as a child that I was invited and encouraged to grab a palm branch and wave it high, marching enthusiastically around the sanctuary. This was as close as I'd ever seen to running in church. 
For a kid who had and has a hard time sitting still for any amount of time, Palm Sunday was made just for me. Well, not just for me, but this active and joyful space of worship made it feel like it was. Palm Sunday was for the outsider. The story of Palm Sunday, this week found in John 12, tells the story of Jesus, the healer, the rebel, the turner of tables of injustice, the outsider of outsiders, is strangely, unexpectedly, welcomed by the crowds of people with palm branches and shouts of joy. Jesus heads to Jerusalem five days before Passover, and all the excitement of his arrival in John's gospel comes from a straw that broke the religious leaders' backs, the raising of Lazarus. This story is found in John 11. Jesus raising Lazarus is seen by the religious leaders of the day as the ultimate affront to the current religious system. All along, Jesus has been saying through his whole ministry that God is doing something new. That yes, God loves the world and wants to be in relationship with all peoples. For the religious leaders, this action of raising someone from death to life was the death of their status quo. Jesus' life-restoring action of raising Lazarus is the action that leads to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. But the people who heard this amazing story of Lazarus raised came to see Jesus in part because they wanted to see Lazarus with their own eyes. Historically speaking, some say that after Lazarus is raised, that the crowds, weary from the pressure and the oppression of the Roman occupation, assume that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday to become king, to overthrow the occupying government and restore the people of Israel. As you can see, people had lots and lots of expectations of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. No pressure. No pressure, Jesus. Jesus is focused in all his efforts and actions to point people to God and to call people to live lives of humility, mercy, and restoration of justice. John 12, 42 and 43 says this about the conflict Jesus was causing the Pharisees. Yet as the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. The story of chapter 12 ends with Jesus announcing to the crowds exactly what will happen in the five days that lead up to Passover. There is a lot of confusion. How could this be that this new king is different than anyone expected? From palms to confrontation with religious leaders to confusion of the disciples, Jesus does not do what people expect him to do. Jesus is not held captive in the desire to be praised by people. Jesus chooses a very difficult road ahead and stays focused on the purpose God had given him. Draw people to God. Save the world. As we enter Holy Week by way of Palm Sunday to Monday Thursday, the story of Jesus in the upper room and garden, to Good Friday, the story of Jesus' trial and crucifixion, this journey with Jesus this year to the cross feels different. Perhaps it's a year of a pandemic. Perhaps it's the commonality of grief that so many people in the world now share. 
Perhaps it's my own feelings of anger over the ugly actions of destruction and hatred of people. But this message of Jesus, draw people to God, save the world, used to sound like a call to just win, to power through, to run the gauntlet. But in a long year of gauntlet running, I need something more than a winning score. I need something much deeper than winning a fight or a war. I need an overhaul. An overhaul of the isms fueled by fear and hatred that run so deep. Our systems need more than a win. They need an overhaul. Stacey Abrams, in her book, Lead from the Outside, says this, As outsiders, we are expected to continue on as the system commands. I don't like it and I believe we can fix it, not simply dismantling what has been carefully constructed by centuries of patriarchy, racism, classism, and bigotry. No one has that kind of time. Instead, we have to hack it, figure out its flaws, identify back doors, and overwhelm unjust systems. Outsiders can make the best and most effective leaders. Leaders, you say? I think of Jesus bringing his friend from death to life, being anointed with oil by a woman his peers deemed unworthy, riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, palms waving, some people cheering and excited, some people hating. And Jesus points all the attention to God. Jesus, in this pointing to God, was trying to tell us, what you've got here isn't working. God and humanity needs something totally new. The role of outsiders isn't about getting praise or being crowned king or queen. Outsiders, like Jesus, use their gifts to change, overhaul, demo, and reno, and make life and systems just and merciful. You don't know me that well yet, But you might guess from this outsider ideology that it's something I have some experience with. Once upon a time, a colleague said to me when I went to them to talk about my feelings of being an outsider, they said, with great compassion and love, you are a lightning rod. And it's a good thing because not everyone has the capacity for it. Which made me ask my friend, "Um, what exactly does a lightning rod do? A physical lightning rod intercepts voltage, providing a safe path for lightning current to go into the ground. They do not decrease the likelihood of a strike, but they provide a direct path to ground, preventing damage. My friend continued, I am not saying that you are a physical lightning rod, but a spiritual one. You have gifts to take big ideas or change and redirect it in a way for it to be useful. You, my friend, are a lightning rod. Great. Awesome. My spiritually solid friend whose word I trust confirmed that I have the gift of being a spiritual lightning rod. Now, where can I find that on a spiritual gifts inventory, friend? A few years after this conversation, I had started the process of becoming an ELCA pastor, and I was attending distance learning classes through Wartburg Theological Seminary in Dubuque, Iowa. Go Orange! In one class or conversation about Martin Luther, I learned of a legend by way of lightning 
of how Luther became the founder as what we know today as the Lutheran Church. And the legend goes like this. The event which radically changed the course of Luther's life took place near Stoddardheim on July 2nd, 1505. The happy-go-lucky law student was altered into a humble monk searching for God's grace. Luther had recently completed a master's degree and started his law studies at the University of Erfurt. He was on his way back to Erfurt after having visited his parents when he was caught in a terrible thunderstorm a few hours outside of Erfurt. Lightning struck near him, and he was thrown to the ground by the air pressure it created. At this moment, he called to St. Anne, St. Anne, help me, I will become a monk. To his father's disgust and anger, Luther honored his solemn promise in that lightning storm and had one last party with his university friends on July 16th. And the next day, he entered the Black Monastery in Erfurt to become a monk. Well, hello there, lightning. Looks like you renovated the life of Luther. And then Luther, a lightning rod of another kind, shook up the church system of his day. I mention this legend about Luther and the lightning storm because in addition to being named a spiritual lightning rod by my colleague, I too had a close call with physical lightning not long after beginning seminary. I was at the church getting ready for the baby shower of my not-yet-arrived grandchild. We were setting up cakes and decorations in the fellowship hall, and I got a weather notification on my phone saying a storm was kicking up. I didn't think too much of it and headed down the hall to wait for a delivery. As I stood waiting for the delivery, I watched the rain and the wind and then hail kick up outside the window. I thought, oh, cool, look at that hail. I'll just pop open the door and get a photo. I stepped onto the stoop, snapped a photo, and noticed that the hair on my arms were standing on end. I looked up to see a brilliant flash of light. The flash and crash of the storm enveloped me, and the lightning landed right across the street in front of me. The delivery person had seen the whole thing and shouted, are you okay? And in the spirit of Luther, I said to the sky, I'm already in seminary and I work at a church. Am I missing something? The confused delivery person had no advice on the matter, except you better get inside. Check. Got it. I was okay, besides being shocked and shook by this close call. Okay, and suddenly aware of the church alarm system that had been set off by the lightning hit. The lights inside flashed and the fire department came running. There was no fire in the building, but the power of the lightning had fried the phone lines and damaged parts of the pipe organ. In this case, the building took the hit of the physical lightning, and I was left to ponder my changing role and how living as a creative pastoral lightning rod would work. Would it work? My friend had gifted me with the title, spiritual lightning rod. I dodged being the recipient of a lightning strike. And then I remembered a conversation with my title donning friend before the hailstorm. I called a meeting to ask for spiritual direction in this sense of call to be a pastor. I asked my friend, how can I be both a pastor and an artist with all the sincerity I could muster? 
and my friend started to laugh. I was not pleased. But then they explained the laughter. Did you know that before I went to seminary, I went to college to be a painter? Like visual arts painter. Did you know that I was a working artist up until the time I went to seminary? Um, no, friend. I did not know that part of your story. And at this point, I wondered if I was being punked. But it turns out I wasn't. I was experiencing some holy shenanigans. I had no idea that my pastor friend, who also was an artist, completely understood my question, my conflict, and my calling to be a spiritual lightning rod. I was seen, encouraged, and told the truth of the challenges of this kind of spiritual lightning rod life. Who would have known that five years later my friend would move on to a new call, and I would be the one sitting in that chair, in that office, of that church, being their lightning rod pastor. My journey is different from the one of Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey, but I'm quite sure that Jesus understands what it's like to be different and to use our differences for the love and holy shenanigans of God. This week's question takes us back to the words of Stacey Abrams. She says, Greatness demands purpose. In the face of upended expectations and extreme setback, even more so. I have faced the toughest loss I can imagine, and I know I will lose again and again, but I will never fail to try. The truth is, I think there is more than one kind of lightning rod person. I think there are millions out there that use their gifts and skills to make this world a better place, and even without knowing it, Point people to God. You have gifts that this world needs. Dear Amazing Lightning Rod, please don't be so afraid of what someone thinks that you refuse your calling to mercy and justice. How have you been gifted to do hard things, beautiful things, renovating things in this world? It's time to hop on that donkey and go to Jerusalem. Let's go together. If I haven't mentioned it before, I have an affinity with Celtic saints and have been reading about them in the book Celtic Daily Prayer. In particular, I've been reading a lot about Brendan the Navigator in the mystical writing called The Exploration of Vision. The reader reads about accounts of possible actual events or interior visions, and they're described as a voyage or an adventure. These voyages of Brennan represent spiritual journey that each of us is challenged to undertake. Here in section six, he takes on the journey ahead with love and thanksgiving. As I read this story, I think that he was probably a spiritual lightning rod too. So here is this week's poem by Brendan. I thank you for this, my God. I am a traveler and a stranger in the world like so many of your people before me. There is a sense of adventure, of openness to possibilities, abandonment to God and expectation of fulfilling God's will. I accept the responsibility. I'll hear and obey and trust it is your voice I hear, 
the call of the spirit, the cry of the bird of heaven. It is a yes to risky living. The sea takes me where I do not know, but I gladly go, and I can only trust every word you say and obey. Through the unknown, help me God, I will trust and obey. There are lots of lightning rods in this week's episode of Holy Shenanigans. Stacey Abrams, Martin Luther, Brendan, and yes, even me. This is a calling that we all have for justice and for mercy and always for love. Thank you for joining me for Holy Shenanigans to surprise, encourage, redirect, and sometimes turn life upside down all in the name of love. You're always invited to join me on this unpredictable spiritual adventure that is always sacred, but never stuffy.